A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring glad tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to announce a year of favor from the Lord and a day of vindication by our God. I rejoice heartily in the Lord, and my God is the joy of my soul. For he has clothed me with a robe of salvation and wrapped me in a mantle of justice. Like a bridegroom, I adorned with a diadem, like a bride bedecked with her jewels. As the earth brings forth its plants and a garden makes its growth spring up, so will the Lord God make justice and praise spring up before all the nations. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My soul rejoices in my God. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked upon his lowly servant. From this day all generations will call me blessed. My soul rejoices in my God. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. My soul rejoices in my God. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy. My soul rejoices in my God. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. Brothers and sisters, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing in all circumstances. Give thanks. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. Test everything. Retain what is good. Refrain from every kind of evil. May the God of peace make you perfectly holy and may you entirely be spirit, soul, and body preserved blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will accomplish it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. A man named John was sent from God. He came for testimony, to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to him to ask him, Who are you? He admitted, did not, did not deny it, but admitted, I am not the Christ. So they asked him, what are you then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? So we can give an answer to those who sent us. Why do you, what do you have to say for yourselves? He said, I'm the voice of one crying out in the desert, make straight the way of the Lord. As Isaiah the prophet said. Some Pharisees were also sent. They asked him, why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ or Elijah or the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but there is one among you whom you do not recognize the one who was coming after me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. This happened in Bethany across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I want to give a little history here of the, the Gospel of John uh, to make a connection. So John, as you probably know, writes his Gospel uh, m- many years, decades after Matthew, Mark, and Luke write theirs. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke's Gospels are known as the Synoptic Gospels because they're all pretty similar. John's is different. Uh, not like vastly different, but timelines. And John focuses on, on certain things that the others don't. Um, and he excludes some things that Matthew, Mark, and Luke include. So John's writing his Gospel around the year 90 AD. 90, um, so whatever it is, 60 years or so after, after Christ's ascension into heaven. Um, and the the Christian community at this point is is pretty well diffused throughout uh, 
Asia and, and Europe. And most people know the story of Christ. They've either heard it from the apostles themselves or the disciples who knew Jesus, or they've read it now from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, or they've heard it from St. Paul, you know, Paul's letters. Um, so what happens is, in general, when you move further away from the source of something, uh, it becomes the what you have is a little uh, diluted or, or corrupt. And so around John's time, by the time John is an old man and approaching his death, heresies are sprinkling, sprinkling up. Uh, heresies are false beliefs about God, about uh, Jesus Christ, and about the church. For instance, people can't get their heads around how Jesus can be God and, and man at the same time, so they try to rationalize it away, saying like, well, Jesus wasn't truly God or whatever. Uh, one of the early uh, heresies that, that are, is arising that John has to combat is this heresy known as Gnosticism. Uh, Gnosticism or Gnostics uh, is this understanding, this thought that good and evil are equal. They both exist alongside each other. And evil has created the world and mankind and the body. And good has created the soul or the spiritual realm. And so we in these bodies with souls are, are constantly struggling against our bodies in the world, which are evil, and trying to get to our soul. Because the soul is basically, they, they think there was like a, they call it the divine spark. A, a spark fell from the heavens, from the spiritual realm, and implanted itself into man. Now, obviously, this is wrong. And this is why John emphasizes that, look, the flesh isn't bad. God is one. God is over everything. Evil is not equal to God. God became flesh. Jesus became the eternal word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. The eternal word, good, wouldn't have become flesh if flesh was purely evil. That would, you know, kind of break things apart. And that it, um, the Gnostics also feel like to get to this divine spark within, within you, you have to be chosen. You have to be really smart. And so Gnosticism is sort of like a very elitist, intellectualist movement. And um, you live in a very sort of like spiritual way. You denigrate the body. And this is why, again, John will emphasize in this gospel that Jesus isn't this intellectual elitist. He's what his disciples are ordinary, simple fishermen. And he associates not with the priests and the rich and, again, the intellectuals, the Greeks, so forth, but with the lowly, the downcast, the downtrodden. And the, bad, the body is not evil. Look at Isaiah. You know, I've been clothed in a robe or a mantle of justice. I'm like a bride bedecked with jewels, a, a bridegroom with a diadem. Now, the reason I'm mentioning all this is these, the, the Gnostics, the early proponents of this heresy, many believe were actually originally disciples of John the Baptist. They misinterpreted John. They liked John, but they misinterpreted him. They thought, well, yeah, John is perfect. Like he's denigrating the body he's living out in the wilderness you know he's kind of disciplining himself and he's baptizing so he's saying like yeah the body's evil so wash away the body and get to the, get to the divine spark within and so these 
Gnostics who were once disciples of John the Baptist actually come around saying, you know what, Jesus actually isn't that important. It's John the Baptist who we should follow. So John, the evangelist, the gospel writer, has to come around and really emphasize, yeah, John is, is crucial, but what? He's not the light. He's here to point to the light, to give testimony to the light. It's the Pharisees, are you, who, are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? No, I'm just, just some small voice crying out in the desert, pointing, pointing the way to the truth. Not saying the body is evil, but saying, hey, be baptized, not as a kind of like cult initiation, get to the divine spark within, but as a way to show your commitment to God. And say, I want, I want this new way of life. And what does John do? He points to Jesus. Says, "There's the one to follow, the Lamb of God." And these ordinary fishermen, who are his disciples, including John the Evangelist and and Andrew and so forth, would follow follow Jesus Christ the light. So, Gnosticism, yeah, that was like 1,900 years ago. I mean, but I still think it's it's possibly around today. It's this sense of you know what, like. I, to, to be in the way, the truth, and the life isn't, isn't about having this simple faith in, in Jesus Christ. It's about, you know, like, I, I got to be really smart. You think of all the people who say, like, young adults, especially these days, maybe getting married, like, well, I'm not going to have my child baptized. I'm going to let them choose their, their religion when they're older. That's Gnosticism, right? Because, oh, just being baptized as a kid, you don't know anything. That's too simplistic. Going to church, praying the rosary, spending an hour in adoration, all these devotionals, you know, that's that's really brutish. You know, we want to go to these fancy cafes and we want to read, you know, fancy novels or uh, whatever it is, science and so forth. Not that science is bad, obviously, but it, it denigrates this, this simplistic trust, a bodily trust in Jesus Christ. You know, it's incredible when Moses... So the Pharisees said, hey, are you the prophet? This is reference to Moses. Are you, are you Moses? When Moses led the Israelites through the Red Sea, which is a precursor of baptism, just like Elijah crossed the Jordan River where John was baptizing, also a precursor to baptism. When the Israelites are led through the Red Sea, we have this image of like the Red Sea waters, you know, parted. And like the Israelites could have could see like this this clear avenue through the waters, so like they're passing through these two mountain walls of water. But it actually wasn't that way. The because of like the perspective, the Israelites would have thought they were actually just going right into the sea. They wouldn't have seen the because the Red Sea is really long. Again, the perspective optical illusion would have made them think there's no avenue here. There's no there's no dry path to walk. So what they had to blindly trust in Moses. Moses could see the path. And the, and the Israelites, they do trust, and they follow Moses, and God provides for them. They walk through the Red Sea with that simplistic faith. When they make it to the other side, they celebrate this great joy. So here we are, Gaudete Sunday. It's a time to put our blind trust in God, to follow him into those waters. Follow your leaders, too. They, you might not see the path, but they do. And know that this is the way to true joy, that, that beautiful, simple, trusting faith in Jesus Christ. Amen.